<laughs> uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to uh, read verse 4 there. And while you're turning, everybody goes through things differently. Everybody sees things differently. And, and this week was a particularly tough week for me. And watching, you know, the big Roe v. Wade thing. And watching how people reacted. I'm a people watcher. Christy always gets on to me because I watch people. I'm a people watcher. And the more I watch people, the more it saddens me. Some of the things that I've watched on both sides, I'm not you know, just saying one side or the other, both sides, this is not how you act. This is not how you act as a Christian. And definitely it has shown us that we need Christ. And, and one thing that disturbed me in particular was a picture of someone holding up a sign, and everybody's heard the, the phrase, uh, only good snake's a dead snake, right? Everybody's heard that. Well, they, they held up a sign that said, the only good baby's a dead baby. And I don't know if it was exactly now. I didn't research it. As soon as I saw it, I kinda, it kind of broke me, and I just kind of got off of it, you know? And that's kind of stuck out to me. And I thought, what would it take to get a person to say something like that, let alone write it on a poster? And then hold it up in front of everybody. That, it disturbed me. And, and so, I'm not going to preach on that, but it's, it did influence me. It influenced me on what, I, what I'm bringing today. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, um, let's read that together. Uh, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying in his gifts, gifts, and by it, being, he being dead, yet speaketh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for, for everyone that's here. Lord, we thank you for each person. Lord, we ask you to give special comfort to those that aren't able to give here. Traveling mercies for Billy and, and things. Give uh, be with my dad as he's mourning the loss of his sister, Lord. We ask you to be with your word today, Lord, and give us the ears to ear, Lord, and just help us and help me to be able to say the right things and use me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Cain and Abel is a very familiar story. Everyone's heard it since you're wee little. There's not a song for that one. A lot of the little song stories you hear as a baby, you have a song. <laughs> this will be kind of a sad song. But let's go to Genesis chapter 4 and let's walk through this together. And look at this story of Cain and Abel. And then we'll come back to Hebrews towards the end. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 10 is what we're going to go through. And this, this lesson is going to be a lesson of contrast. There's, you're going to see that this versus that. Over and over in the story. In this, this account, it's two. There's two reactions of God. There's two types of offerings. There's two... Souls. There's two people. There's different things, but it's going to be contrast, this versus that. And I hope it will confuse you with that as we go through those contrasts, uh, because it can get a little confusing. But let's just, we're going to kind of walk through it and, and teach through it. This is sort of the way I teach more of the youth, so it's maybe a little different style than you're used to. But um, we'll go through verse 1. Uh, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have begotten a man of the Lord. And to make sure that we're all together on this, right? 
Cain is the firstborn person ever, right? So there had never. This is the first child of Adam and Eve, uh, the first recorded child, and it's the it's the firstborn. And and we need to be really clear about something before we go. If we turn to Genesis one twenty six, if you go to one twenty six, you'll see the beginning of that. Genesis one twenty six. It says, "And God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness." Adam was created in God's image, in God's likeness. He was sinless, right? He did not have a sin. He did not have a. He, he was not born to sin. But if you go to Genesis chapter five, verse three, you'll see that the contrast. You'll see the contrast. Adam was without sin when he was born, and then fell. Right, but when you see in uh, uh, Genesis five three, you see Adam lived one hundred and thirty years, and he begat a son in his own likeness, in his own image. Okay, Cain was born a sinner. Cain, the firstborn, was a sinner. He was he had a sin nature given upon him because of the fall of Adam. Right, we understand that, and and it's important to understand that. And then verse uh, two, and she. Uh, again, bear her bro- uh, his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And you see the second born, Abel, right? They're brothers. Some people say they're twins. I don't know if they were or not. I have no idea. Uh, but they're brothers. They're brothers. And you think of this, uh, and you know, everybody. When Daniel was born, it was a completely different experience than anyone else, but we had a big old hospital, it was a big pink one there in Tulsa, and we had drugs to help the pain, we had all these things, and we knew what was going to happen because we'd been talked to about it, but what did, what did Eve have? Right? Adam and Eve were like, what happens next? I don't know. <laughs> right? There was no painkillers, there was no hospital, there was nothing, and in the verse uh, 17 of the previous chapter, there's going to be sorrow in, in bearing, bringing forth children, right? Part of the curse. And so they, they're born, Abel, and then they grow up, and Abel becomes a shepherd, and Cain becomes a tiller of the ground. And you think of the tiller of the ground, you think the oldest son always gets the job the dad don't want to do no more, right? <laughs> so he became the tiller of the ground, right? Daniel is getting, for my 48th birthday, Daniel is getting a weed eater, <laughs> okay? He is going to take over the weed eating duties. I do not like to weed eat. At all. I even had Mason come over and do it one time because I do not like to weed eat. So happy birthday to me. Daniel's getting a weed eater. <laughs> so Cain became a tiller of the ground. Strong, right? You'll be strong to till. Where Abel is a shepherd. And as they grow up, what are they taught? You ever think of that? What, what have they been taught their whole life? You think of uh, in, the, in the account, we're going to see this later, but this whole time they've been taught. Before there was sin, it was like this. We didn't need a tiller of the ground, Cain. We didn't, the garden, it just grew. We just got the fruit we wanted. Uh, you know, and Abel, we didn't even need a shepherd because there was nothing to harm the sheep. Right? There was no, nothing's going to harm the sheep. And it, all you had to do is say, come here, and they'd come here, right? There was no taming of animals, right? And then they probably taught them about how this talking thing came and this serpent came and talking to them and how he allowed you know, Adam standing right there allowed Eve to be deceived, right? And then the, and the serpent said, that shall it surely die. And they're like, what's death? We don't even understand what that is. Okay. And, and you see this all the way through, and you go and you look at Genesis chapter 3. If you only had three 
chapters of the Bible, I would pick Genesis 1, 2, 3. If we could only have three. There's so much in here. But if you look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, they also knew some other things about sin. They also knew some other things. In uh, 3.15 it says, I will put enmity between thee, that's Satan, the serpent. He's talking to the serpent here. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed, this still talking about Satan and his seed, and her seed, that's Christ, right? Her seed, that's the seed of Mary. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You're going to get stomped on someday by Christ. The Redeemer's coming. Uh, as, and then you'll drop down to verse 21. Uh, and Adam also and his wife did the Lord make coats of skins. They also knew about blood sacrifice. They knew that to cover sins, to cover the nakedness, the sinful nakedness, that an animal must die. Right? They, they knew these things. They were taught all these things as kids. Right? They All the way up. Just like you're raising your children up. Right? They, they knew these things. It says in verse 3, and in the process of time. So there's a time come. The time comes, something else has to happen. Something different has to happen. Um, it's like, you know, the green beans. You, you plant them, and it's time to harvest them. The, the time had come to harvest them. And there was a time come, and I believe it was a time to come where they need to worship on their own. They need to, Cain and Abel need to not be under the, the sacrifice or offerings of Adam and Eve. They need to be on their own. That's what I believe it was, and, and I believe it was time. And then my favorite phrase of the verse is commercial break by Justin right here. It came to pass. That's the next words in there. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass. There's like four or five phrases in the Bible that I love. You know, but God, that's a good one. And it came to pass. Whatever you're going through, it's coming to pass. It's not coming to stay. And I, I like that. But it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground as an offering unto the Lord. And the first part of verse 4, let's go ahead and read it. And Abel brought forth... Uh, and also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. So they're coming to worship. It's come. It's time to worship. It's time to go to church, as we'd say, right? And they come forth and they're worshiping, and they're they're bringing their offerings. And Cain brings fruit of the ground. Abel brings fat, juicy lamb, right? The best, the firstlings, and you know. It's a contrast. Two totally different offerings. But it gets even more contrasting by the way those offerings are received. So continue to read there in four um, in the second half, but we'll read the whole thing. And Abel, he also brought forth the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and, his, and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Two offerings, two responses, two responses from God, right? And I don't know exactly how they knew. I don't know exactly how, but in the, in the Leviticus 9.24 and many other places in the Old Testament, if the offering was accepted, God would consume it with fire, right? And I could just see the offering of Cain over here and the offering of Abel over here, and Cain's just sitting there, nothing happens, and Abel's is consumed to the Lord. And they clearly knew. I don't know exactly if that's the way it was, but they clearly knew that one offering was respected and the other one wasn't. So let's talk about Abel. He's a hero of faith, right? 
Why was his offering accepted? Why did God have respect on it? And not only that, I want you to look at the words carefully. It says, and the Lord had respect on Abel and to his offering. Two things. And I, I compare it to the to work to will and to do of his good pleasure. The first is the, the heart. What was Abel's heart when he made the offering? What was Abel and his heart and what did he give? What did that result in? And you think of Abel and you, you, uh, you understand that he must have known he was a sinner. He must have knew what his mom and dad said about and taught him about that you must have blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remissions of sins. And that's in Hebrews. Without the blood, without a blood offering, what, what would happen to his sin? He saw his sin. He saw that he needed to have an offering and he had faith in that future Redeemer that was to come. And it was by his faith, Abel's faith. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and he understood that. He understood that there had to be an animal sacrifice. He understood that there had to be shedding of blood. He understood that he needed a Savior and he needed, uh, uh, by faith, he needed this offering to be accepted, to be respected. Abel worshipped God's way. Abel worshipped the way that God taught. Abel did it God's way. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. In the contrast, what did Cain do? It says Cain and his offering was not accepted. So, if Cain nor his offering must be once again the, the, the faith of Cain wasn't there. It was Cain the person, right? A lot of the commentators, they talk a lot about, it. well, if, Abel, if Cain would have brought the first fruits, he could have brought fruit, but he needed to bring the first fruits. Or they, they focus a lot on the offering, and I, I, I can't see it that way exactly. I can't see it that way. I understand they're right, but to me it's a secondary point. And when you go to Romans chapter 4, and Romans chapter 4, I'll hopefully reveal my heart to this, of why I think this, but when you go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 2 through 5, you'll see something uh, that the Lord's teaching us here, that for, and start in verse 2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what hath what, what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, faith is counted as righteousness. Even if Cain would have brought the sorriest offering in the world, but if he had done it by faith, God would have counted it as righteousness. Right? The, the, I think of the... The verses uh, that Paul talks about where that what I would do, I don't, but that what I don't want to do, I do, right? It's the will that God's judging and the will that brings the, the respect, right? If Cain would have had the right heart about himself and the right faith as he put that offering down, did, did you think even Cain thought he was a sinner? I don't think he saw his sin. I don't think he even needed to do this. I think it was kind of like, well, fine, I'll go to church, or, you know, just like, you know. Uh, you know, he kind of did it because he had to, right? But he did it his way. Cain did it clearly the way he wanted to do it. And now you'll see the two 
the responses of the men, right? God did not accept one, but what happens to Cain? What happens to Cain in verse 5, the second half? And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Very wroth, so angry, so angry that his countenance fell. When someone's countenance falls, this is just another commercial break from Justin. When someone's countenance falls, meaning their whole face, their whole body shows it, whatever they're going through, you need to reach out to them and you need to help them. It's not good. As a Christian, we should not have our countenance fall at all. Cast our cares upon the Lord, right? I think of that hymn, take, it to the, take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. You need to leave it there. Not have your countenance fall. Not let it eat you up completely. But his countenance fell. Every part of his body showed that he was angry. And God, in the next two verses, it's almost as if God is, is giving him a chance to repent. It's like God's giving him a chance. Are you sure? He's going to ask him three questions. And, and he's asking these questions to say, Cain, wake up. Right? And, and so in verse 6 and 7, he says, uh, God speaks to him and he says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Why are you mad, Cain? You knew what to do. You've been taught the right way. You knew how to do this. You knew that if you would have done this the correct way, it would have been accepted. You have created your own problem. Why are you mad about it? Why? When God asks you why, this is not to be your response. <laughs> you don't want to go the way of Cain, but when God asks you why, you need to respond in repentance most of the time. But it says, continuing in verse 7, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And I can't help but think of, of, a, of not necessarily lying at the door, but like a, a lion at the door, right? And so you've got like a lion hiding behind a rock, and he's sneaking up on your eyes. He's really quiet. You ever seen a cat sneak up on something? It's kind of fun, right? They sneak up quiet. But a lion does that too. And it's not until it, he roars when? When he's about that close from your face. Right? Because he's going for your neck. He's about this close. That's when the roar comes out. If you hear the roar, it's too late. Right? But it's like the sin is lying at the door. If you don't stop sinning, Cain, if you don't stop this behavior, if you don't stop this pattern, you're going to be devoured by this sin. You're going to be, it's lying at the door. Don't you get it? Stop it. And Cain doesn't get it. And it, uh, continuing in verse 7 there, and thou, and unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. Okay. What are you going to do next, Cain? Well, he's going to have a conversation with his brother. In verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass that they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Rose up against his brother and slew him. What do you think they were talking about? Probably not. You, don't, you won't believe what God said to me. 
you know, or whatever. I don't know. But they were, whatever it was, I'm just guessing that Abel said, well, you need to repent. You need to do better. You need to do right. Because if Abel would have maybe supported him a little bit, and, oh, it's okay, your sin's okay, good boy. You know, maybe he wouldn't have slew him, but he probably didn't. This conversation probably didn't go well. Cain rose up and slew his own brother. In this next verse, is terrible, right? And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? I was a smart aleck. I still am a smart aleck. Okay. But I can't imagine smarting off to God like this. I can't imagine... I, I can imagine that this same thing Cain is going through, this wrath that he's in, is the same thing would have somebody hold up a sign, the only dead good baby is a dead baby. Right? Do you see the parallel there? That they're just smarting off to God. Right? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Oh, pitiful. Jude chapter 11 says, Woe unto those that are like Cain. Right? Don't be like that. Be like righteous Abel. Matthew 23, 35. is called righteous. Abel did things right. He was the first martyr. The first person to die. The very first person to die. First person to probably enter gates of heaven to a paradise. Right? Confused probably... The angels. I think of Adam and Eve. Do they know what death is now? Anybody that's lost a child knows your life will never be the same. So they, they have Cain in this place and Adam and Eve are looking at it and those words of Satan, thou shalt not surely die. What do you think that means to them now? How much different do you think that means now that they know what death is? Verse 10. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of the brother's blood crieth me from the ground. His voice of the blood. God knew what happened. He was asking these questions for Cain's purposes, not for... God's purposes, right? But the blood crying from the ground. And so I asked today, what is it saying? What is the blood saying? And when we go over to Hebrews chapter 4, let's turn back over there, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. When we come back over there, and you look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, where we started. By faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Hopefully you have some more understanding of that today by going through it. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it being dead yet speaketh. Speaketh. Still going. Speaketh means speaketh forever. Continuing to speak. Abel's death is continuing to speak. Just like his blood spoke from the ground. What is it saying? What, what, what is it saying? Are you, are you hearing it? What is it saying? And I, I'm, I'm not as studied as some of these men. I'm a novice. 
I get it. But there's two things that come to my mind whenever it says it yet speaketh. Number one, when it's time to worship, do you do it your way or God's way? I believe you should do it God's way. I think that's what the blood is saying, is do it God's way by faith. You worship by faith. If you're here today and you're in this worship service, you should be here by faith. You should be doing it only looking to Christ and, and His faith. You shouldn't be worried about what so-and-so did or so whatever. It's about Christ. You need to do it by faith. And you need to do it per the book. God's method. Right? God's ways. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. Every day we should be doing the work of the Lord by faith. That is the way we should worship. When it's time to worship, that's it. Faith without works is dead, it says, right? So your, your worship should have works involved. You should worship in spirit and truth, it says. Does it matter how you worship? I believe Cain's speaking, saying, yes, it matters how you worship. You need to do it by faith. You need to worship by faith. And the second thing, and let's turn over one chapter to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. The second thing I think the blood is saying and, the, and Abel's saying is in Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 24. In the book of Hebrews, it's, it's always, you know, this is what happened, and this was a picture, but God fulfilled it, and He's better. Right? Or this is, you know, and it's always God fulfilled that, God's better, you know, right? All through. And verse 24 And Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. What is Abel's sacrifice and what is his blood saying? It's saying that there's one coming that's much better than me. Right? There's one coming. Christ is coming. You need to point to... He's pointing you to Christ. If you hear Abel and you hear his blood speaking, if you hear him speaking, it's you should be... He's pointing you to Christ. And he's pointing you to a better sacrifice, a, a different blood sacrifice. Right? So Cain didn't want to shed blood in his sacrifice, but what did he do? He shed blood of his own brother. Right? A sin will take you so much farther than you want to go. Right? If you look at that, he's, he's saying, Abel's saying, Christ is better. Christ's blood sacrifice is better. Right? That, that's what he's, I believe that's what he's saying. Does it matter how we worship? It does. You need to worship in faith. You need to be worshiping, looking to someone, not yourself. Looking to Christ. And Christ's work on the finished work on the cross is what Abel's pointing you to. So let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time to get together, Lord. We thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for the Abel and his example, Lord. And we 